0: A honeybee, it weighs .00025 pounds and only lives for five to six weeks, yet in that small amount of time makes such a big impact. Honeybees are intelligent social insects. In addition to exploring and sharing how they live, I want to research how they can help us better understand sustainable and resilient infrastructure. This will help with a research project that I'm leading called Smart Colony. To help with my research, I will meet up with a new friend and honeybee expert named Heather Sapp. Heather has a farm where she raises lots of honeybees. I had this incredible opportunity to go out and meet with Heather on her farm, put on a bee suit and get some hands-on experience with honeybees. A majority of the audio that you're going to hear in this podcast episode is actually out on the farm wearing that bee suit, so I really think you're going to enjoy this. Let's dive right into it.
1: These ones were from a swarm that I caught. One of my friends called me. She's pregnant right now and uh, she wasn't able to get them. And so I went up there and I got them, but the queen was in there when I got her. She was a virgin queen. Sometimes they swarm out when they're virgins. And um, she had mated in the area because I saw her when she came back. Something happened to her and I don't know what. Maybe they just... Maybe she wasn't mated well enough. Maybe she got injured. So many things could happen. Maybe she left out on that one other mating flight that she took and she got ate by a bird. Uh-huh. Something happened. So they're making some weird noises. They're on high alert. They make different noises like if they're not queen right. Sometimes they could be really aggressive. We're going to see if. Uh, what's happening here. Okay. So right away you see there's a lot of drone brood. That's a queen cell right there.
0: That really big one? Mm-hmm.
1: This really big one is the queen cell. I, haven't, wow. I have yet to know whether or not. That's viable. I, I'm leaving it in there. This, from the time that an egg is laid. From the time that it hatches to be a queen. It's 16 days. I gave mm. them a frame that already had eggs in it and so that sped it up to about day three so let's say about two weeks um so dates are really important but i see mainly drones this is a drone right here with the big eyes and they're fat the workers are like these tiny little ones but i see more of these guys and all this all this uh brood right here brood is like the eggs these little fat popcorn looking ones are all going to be boys because I had a worker this Mm. is all honey right here
0: so now you said there was a queen in here at one point there
1: was there was there was and then she just never came back and I never saw signs of her being anywhere
0: now how does a I I guess my question is Mm -hmm. how does a egg come to be a queen
1: a queen so it has to be fertilized once they determine this is going to be a queen cell. They make it into like a peanut shape like this. They're going to give it more room. She's going to be much bigger. She's only going to be fed royal jelly. Royal jelly is some kind of secretion that they make. Um, whenever it's just like a like a regular, I guess, like a worker, they'll feed them a combination of bee bread, which is basically pollen and like nectar mixed in, and they pack it. I don't see any right here I can show you.
0: Journey to Earth explores health, wellness, and the best ways to increase longevity through unchartered expeditions and adventures. My name's Mark DeLuca. I'm an explorer, researcher, and humbled to be called a technology leader. Here is the Journey to Earth podcast. From what, From your understanding, mm-hmm. when these eggs become honeybees. Mm-hmm. are they immediately born into like a cast system where they have very specific roles
1: absolutely yep so as soon as soon as they're born they their jobs are to like clean out the cells they have and i don't i don't know specifically but they start off as being just uh the ones that help clean and stuff like that they're very young very they're very little and Um, Then there's bees in a certain bracket age bracket where they're nurse bees Which they go around and they help feed the other baby bees being born Then there's a bracket where they're Like guard bees so like the bees that stand on like the edge over here Mm -hmm. Like they're they're there to attack any honeybee that doesn't belong to them They all have different smells which is weird because they're they're one honeybee But they all have their own very specific smell for their hive so if Say, one of these bees try to come in here, oh, for, they'd be like, no, 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 you real? won't belong to us. I don't know wow. how they recognize it, something about the smell. And then the last age bracket is when they actually go out and they forage. That's the old, oldest one. So they go out forage, they come back, they'll probably die in the summertime at like three, four, five, six weeks, something in there.
0: These- Whoa, so let's go ahead and press the pause button for a moment. I'd like to break down some of what Heather just told us. As we know, there is only one queen per honeybee hive, and that queen can lay anywhere between 1,500 to 2,000 eggs per day. Now, it's actually the workers that will design and make the cells that the queen will lay her egg in. It is the size of the cell that will determine if the queen lays a female or male egg. A larger cell is designed and built for a male. Now, once the queen lays her egg, A few days will pass and it turns into larva. Once the egg turns into larva, the other honeybees inside of the hive will cap the cell and roughly 20 days will pass. After those days pass, a brand new honeybee will emerge from the cell. Now there's actually three different cast systems that you'll find within a honeybee hive. The first one are queen bees. Again there's only one per hive. The second are male drones. Male drones only have one purpose in their entire life, and that is to mate with the queen. Many will not fulfill their destiny and will not have the opportunity to mate with a queen. Interesting fact here is that male drones do not have a stinger, and they're not actually capable of going out and finding their own food. They actually have to rely on the workers, which bring us to the third and final cast category. Workers are the female honeybees. That's right, the females do all of the work, and there's actually many different uh, types or jobs within the worker caste category. The very first one is a nursing bee. They basically feed and take care of the growing larva. Now, one thing that I do wanna point out here is that the different subcategories found within the female workers are primarily dictated by age. So we also find that there are honeybees that will attend to the queen, And they basically groom and feed her. There's bees that will clean the hive, clean other bees. There's actually what we call undertaker honeybees and that basically is when a honeybee dies inside of the hive. What you'll find is that other honeybees will come up and take any remaining pollen or other resources that that dead honeybee may still have. Sometimes you'll even find that the other honeybees will eat portions of the dead bee. After they're done with the dead bee, they will remove it from the hive and place it just outside to dry. After it dries, they'll fly that dead honeybee away from the hive, so that way an abundance of dead honeybees do not start to pile up outside of the hive. We also find honeybees that will build honeycomb. They cap the honeycomb. There's pollen packing bees, which will take the pollen from returning foragers and place it inside of cells to use later on. And that brings us to one of the most important bees that you'll find within the worker category. and That's a forager bee. These are the bees that will actually go out and find the pollen. So when a forager bee goes out, it typically will visit anywhere between 50 and 100 flowers to collect both pollen and nectar. Once they find the jackpot, they'll fly back to the hive and perform what is called a waggle dance. This waggle dance is almost like a figure eight, and it's their way of directly communicating with the other bees to let them know the exact location of where the pollen or nectar is located. Now, something else interesting here is that honeybees also exhibit what we call indirect communication. I'd like to give you an example, and it's a worker job category that's actually a guard bee. So what you'll find at the entrance of any hive are a number of different bees that have a job of protecting the hive. So whenever an incoming honeybee tries to enter the hive, the guard bees will go up and make sure that that bee belongs to the hive. If it does not, or if another threat presents itself, the guard bees will actually try to sting the threat And they will release pheromones. Those pheromones will then be picked up by the other honeybees inside the hive and they basically go into attack mode. Again this is a type of indirect communication. So where is the honey?
1: So the honey okay so this is um this is the typical way that you're gonna see like a like a frame. It's gonna be like a rainbow so in the middle it's gonna be brood then on this portion of the outside you're going to have the nectar and the pollen and then on the very outside edges is going to be the honey so all this it kind of looks like a very thin kind of wrinkly that's honey so if you look closer in there you can see all the different colors of pollen there's like oranges and reds and they they mix some of the there's gray in there
0: so now let's say for how long does it take for a worker bee to you know from the time it's the the egg is laid until it's born. What's that time period too? For a worker, yeah.
1: it is a it is a twenty-one days. So
0: they're, they're different time frames. Three there. weeks.
1: For drones, it's uh twenty-four days, I believe. For a queen it's sixteen. So they're all hmm. born at different rates. Washboarding thing I was telling you about. See how they all just kind of looking crazy and just like walking around and they're all just like that's washboarding. Like what you doing?
0: That is nuts. Can I get a close up of that? That is crazy. I'm
1: gonna pop into this one. Just...
0: That is pretty nuts. I wonder why they do oh, do that.
1: There's all kinds of theories. But they say they don't know.
0: For sure. So now, like I'm looking at this one. Mm hmm. These here, I guess. Mm-hmm, yeah. They these ones on the outside, obviously. Probably not all of them. Maybe, maybe so. But they're like the guard mm-hmm. honeybees. So if I
1: stuck my hand in there like that, and it's like somebody's gonna come and attack me, they're gonna be like, "What, yeah, what you doing?" I'll be that rather one right nice there. Today. But this one isn't clean right. Okay. <laughs> See that? I'm like, what you doing?
0: Yeah, right Get out yeah. Of here. Yeah. You know.
1: This one ain't clean right there so I don't even know if they know what's going on. Um.
0: So now what happens if like they felt they were under attack? Yeah. Would they release like a hormone? Yes. And would the entire thing come on you? Oh yes.
1: Goodness, oh, yeah. I'd At be once, hopping
0: over that fence.
1: Yeah, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, luckily, you know, they're in a decent mood today. Um, have you ever
0: had that happen?
1: Oh, yeah, and it's when I don't have my smoker. So I i rarely use this thing, but it's better to have it than to not have it in case their mood just that one day is now. Bad. What does that do? So, whenever they uh, release their attack pheromone, yeah, that's kind of telling everybody, hey, look.
0: He's not even getting stung. He's chilling. He's chilling. But, um, um, what's
1: this thing? So the pheromone will tell everybody to attack. When the stinger is, like, say I get stung right here, if yeah. I don't wipe that stinger off, that stinger also will continue to pump the venom in to my body. It will also release that attack pheromone. So say if, like, I'm running and I'm like, ah, if the stingers are in me, they're gonna find me. So it's important to get that stinger out right away. And, uh, a lot of the times, it's really not that bad, but let's just say you got a hot hive, or if you have Africanized honeybees, a lot of the times they'll they'll be more prone to getting on you than... Really? Yeah, but these are, you know, mostly Italians, I believe. I mean, there's really no source. That's another thing I was going to ask you about. about what? Uh, there are certain breeds of honeybees. Is there a way to take a DNA sample of a honeybee and find mm. out, like a 23andMe, what you are? <laughs> yeah. Because... There's Italian, yeah, Russian, Carnolian. There's all kinds of breeds. You definitely could. That would be super important to know Yeah. and very useful for a beekeeper because anybody can say, oh, I have Italian bees, but how are you going to know? The characteristics are what determine it.
0: Well, I think something that you had mentioned is, you know, when you talk about like pesticides and how you could tell if they're getting into your colony, if you could just come up with something even to put like down there upon the entranceway. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, to where it's picking up that as they come in would be probably largely beneficial to you.
1: Wow, that would be really cool.
0: That would be cool. Yes, yeah. Everybody,
1: like, what kind of bees do you have? And I'm like honey bees. They say they're all mutts because you know they interbreed with each other and the the line gets like the pedigree yeah. gets lost, you know. But unless you breed a very specific, you know, I don't know why it looks like here. This is my other cleanest hive. We're gonna find out. I'll show you what a lane worker looks like because it's just oh i didn't see any eggs in that one which was weird so i'm wondering if maybe that queen is going to hatch out soon and that one will eventually be clean right so i'm going to leave that one until i know for sure whether or not she's going to hatch out because so she might they may correct themselves this one you can tell has just started to dwindle down this box ain't even filled up so that's a problem
0: yeah you can definitely show huh
1: I really don't even need this box, but I thought they were building up, and they weren't. So really all they're doing is just collecting honey. Eventually they'll all die, I'll be left with a bunch of honey, but no bees, that's not good.
0: This research with Heather has been absolutely fascinating. There were a couple different reasons why I wanted to conduct this research. The first is because of a parallel research project called Smart Colony. This is where I'm researching social intelligent insects such as honeybees and ants to see if there's anything that we can learn in regards to enhancing and building a more sustainable and resilient infrastructure. The second is I'm just interested in learning about honeybees and their impact to our world. As part of this research, I also wanna share my findings and this experience with not only the world but specifically children. So as part of this project we will also draft and publish a educational children's magazine that we will donate to different school systems, summer programs, uh, daycares and many other uh, locations where children can immerse themselves in adventure and exploration. So. Uh, We certainly will be donating those out. If you are interested in obtaining a copy for yourself or maybe your kids, or if you would like to gift a copy, you can go to our website to find out how you can do that. Now, a majority of this research I will discuss in a live presentation that I will do for Smart Colony. I do wanna just highlight two important aspects of this research and discuss them from a high level on this episode for now. Again, later on I'll take a deeper dive and we'll talk about them in greater format. But the first has to do with overpopulation. As you can imagine, with overpopulation, you're going to have your resources depleted fairly quickly when this happens. And when it comes to resource depletion for critical life-sustaining resources, this can often lead to a big mass catastrophic event that is very deadly. In regards to a honeybee hive, that would mean that shortly after the resource of food disappeared, that the hive would die. So, honeybees have actually adapted to this, and studying it is absolutely important. Basically, what honeybees do is that the workers will identify when the hive is becoming overpopulated. They then will start a process known as swarming. This is when a certain number of honeybees, let's say half, will leave their original hive, fly out to a location, all the honeybees will swarm together, scout honeybees will go out to find a new home. Once they find that new home, they'll direct the hive to this new home. Now what's interesting is that the queen from the original hive will either go to the new hive and a brand new queen will be born to replace the old one or a new queen will be born and will go to this new hive. So again, we'll talk about more that in more detail when we discuss the Smart Colony Research Project. The second interesting Thing here has to do with supply chain and warehousing. Now more than ever we have all experienced throughout this COVID pandemic the negative impacts when we do not have our supply chain in order. We as human beings are very narrow focused when it comes to supply chain. We often are just only interested in what pertains to us or our company whether that's a product or a service. Honeybees are completely different. They focus on the entire big picture of the supply chain, and that's because they're involved in all aspects of it. So when you're involved in all aspects of it, you become very familiar with your vulnerabilities. So my question was, well, what are the reasons a honeybee hive would begin to stockpile or save extra amounts of honey? And it appears through initial research that there's two primary factors of why honeybees would do this. The first is that they do not want to waste critical resources. An example here is let's say foragers are bringing in extra pollen and nectar into the hive. Instead of wasting those valuable resources, the honeybees will save it, put it inside the cells, and this will be in turn used to make honey. The second reason is that the workers and just really every honeybee inside the hive, once they identify that a certain number of cells have been filled, again, as to not waste critical resources and time, they begin to stockpile and save this extra amount of honey.